0: Hi, I'm Drew, and this is Make Saints. So let's do something together. For this, you'll need your phone. Go ahead. If you need to retrieve it from your pocket, I'll give you the chance. I'm not going anywhere. And so let's uh, unlock it. And open the Photos app. Like, I'm sure you've got one. And your most recent photos are probably at the top or the bottom, depending on the kind of phone you have. Mine are at the bottom. And I've got mine open now. And uh, aside from this picture yesterday of an adorable kitty um, and this... Accidental screenshot I took while listening to last week's On Being podcast. Other than that, I'm looking at hundreds of photos that I intended to take. Right? The most recent are from Saturday, which is just a few days ago, and I went with my family down to New Harmony. So here are pictures of us goofing and the sign outside the Roofless Church. If you've never been to New Harmony or don't know any about anything about the Roofless Church. You should Google it. It is uh, – it's definitely cool and worth your – worth knowing about. But anyway, I, I, I keep swiping here and I can see a video that my wife took when she stole my phone. I see signs of things that I wanted to keep track of. I see more kitty pictures, more family, more signs, more kitty pictures, more family and so on and so on. Right? Right? All these things I wanted to remember, and it all goes back years. I'm sure you have a bunch of stuff in your phone that are pictures of things that you want to remember, too. And looking through our photos, arranged as they are in this reverse chronological order, we can travel back in time to experience again some truly incredible moments, can't we? Now, of course, not everything in here is incredible. I mean, some of the stuff I just can't even remember. I don't know why I even took that picture. Like broccoli cheddar tots. Like, what is that about? The reality is that... Uh, this experience of looking at these pictures, this is kind of a a form of time travel to use our memories to re-experience the past. And because the past exists in our memories, we actually change the past every time we remember it. How does this happen? Because every time we recall a memory, we engage with it. We're creating a new experience in the present as we engage with that moment from the past. So our present experience overwrites the memory on our mind's hard drive. And it does this every time. So in other words, we don't just travel through time. We travel through time and can't help but change it. This leads to a couple of essential ideas. First is that we're all locked into the present. We can't actually dwell in the past or be focused on the future. Not really, because our minds keep us always rooted in the present. But our past also isn't only what has happened. It actually only exists as memory, which then means, second, our sense of the past keeps changing as we unintentionally change it. That idealized past gets rosier and rosier. The terrible events get terribler, right? Because we are not re-experiencing the past so much as re-experiencing a re-experience of the past and then re-experiencing a re-experience of a re-experience of the past, right? And so on. This is why our memories are not reliable sources of information, even when we're eyewitnesses of an event. So that all talks about the past. What about our future? Well, it's much the same. That you and I live in an eternal present does not just mean that we experience the past in the present. It's also how we experience the future. Those of us who struggle with anxiety know this better than anyone. Thinking about the future brings a present response in our bodies. Often it comes as a tightening in the chest and a foggy brain. This is, in part, because our present selves look at the past to interpret the future, or specifically those reimagined experiences. So it draws on those re-experienced re-experiences to predict today what tomorrow will look like. To protect our bodies from danger, our brains create obvious physical responses. But We aren't born with these as if they're canned responses and our bodies don't maintain the same responses unchanged throughout our lives. Our bodies learn from each stressful situation and each one remaps the neural pathways in our brains and even rewrite the epigenetics in our DNA, right? So traumatic experiences traumatize our bodies and transform them at the cellular level. Changes that we can pass on to our children through our DNA. So so in other words, victims of abuse, enslavement, and great trauma pass that trauma on to their children and their children's children. So in a very real way, the descendants of enslaved persons may today bear the victimhood of their ancestors. Past and future collide in our present, which is both scary and strangely comforting because it means that we are capable in our present to deal with our past and invite a future that is healed from its trauma. Think therapy. This doesn't happen when we ignore our past or pretend it was different. It happens when we seek to be healed from our past and refrain from re-victimizing ourselves and our loved ones we can embody Margaret Mead's famous guidance that we become the change we want to see in the world. This is the human context for the word eternal, a word that is flush with spiritual significance and metaphysical certainty. We prop it up with heady concepts about the perpetuity of existence and the changelessness of the cosmos. As a philosophical concept, the way we usually define eternity and eternal existence actually resembles an existential prison, trapping the imperfect now in an imperfect forever. It's also kind of a prison of the mind in which our present awareness is replicated out into a potential never-ending perpetuality. And then we have the audacity to think that this, (laughs) talking about this stuff with other people, is comforting to them. Even at the same time as we read stories with vampires who crave death that they never can experience cursed by immortality, which has them experience over and over the agonies of life without the relief of life having an end. We recognize that that vision of eternal life is torturous. Defining eternal as perpetuating our present imperfection forever. Forever is not just a mental prison, but a spiritual one as well. It stunts our growth and discourages an awareness of our persistent need to change. We become locked in who we think we are, while our bodies and world change around us. But, if we remember that we experience eternity in our present life, in our bodies, and in our experiences with other people, eternity takes on a whole new meaning. It sounds like living in the now and choosing to become who we dream to become because none of us ever stays the same forever.